morning, everyone. That's quite loud. You can hear me. Um, so I, was, I had quite a moment now in worship. I didn't know if I was going to be able to preach. I, I kept on um, crying, which is not me. I'm quite um, controlled, but the Lord is, the Lord is bigger than... Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I just keep thinking about His kindness and His kindness. And every time I was thinking about His kindness, I, I kept on weeping. Um, geez, I don't know. I'm going to hold this together now. But anywho, um, so, so just, a, you know, I had a picture. Sorry. I had a picture in worship, and I, I just took these notes. So... There's the account of um, David bringing the Ark of the Covenant back into Jerusalem, and he's dancing with all his might before the Lord, and, he, and his wife is looking at him, and she's scorning at him. Um, and I just had that, had that picture of, even for some of us, so some of us will look at the situation um, with eyes of doubt and unbelief, and some of us will see a situation through the eyes of faith. And, and, and his wife, I forget her name now, this is just Mika, 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 Mika. Um, she, she looked at the situation through the natural, and she scorned it, and she thought, like, you, you, you're dancing like an idiot, basically, before, um, and you, you, you're making a fool of yourself, and that's through the eyes of the flesh. And David was dancing with eyes of faith, knowing that he was dancing before the Lord, um, and, and in worship, I was reminded again, also with Jesus on the cross, there were some that looked at Jesus on the cross, and they saw the sacrifice through the eyes of faith. And there were some that looked at, the, at Jesus on the cross and in the flesh, and they said, well, if you are the Son of God, why don't you just climb off the cross? And for us this morning, for, for what I'm going to uh, preach on or speak on, I, I want you to look and hear with eyes of faith to believe and not with a hardened heart thinking, oh, well, this is not for me, it's for someone else. So approach this with the eyes of faith to see Him who is kind, to see Him who is gracious, full of grace, full of compassion, slow to anger and abounding in love. See, see Him this morning with eyes of faith to believe. Do you believe? I want you guys to believe that the words I'm speaking, even as... Um, the Pharisees, they asked Jesus, by what authority are you doing this? By what authority are you? Um, and he said, well, I'm not going to answer the question. I'm going to ask you a question. Was the baptism of John, was it from God or was it from man? You see, if, if you were there looking with eyes of faith, then you would believe that the baptism of John was of God. But the Pharisees were stuck because they were looking at, through the flesh in unbelief and doubt, going, it can't be. So therefore, they, wouldn't, they didn't go and get baptized for the repentance of their sins. So they knew if they told Jesus, oh, well, if, it, if we tell him it was from God, then why didn't we get baptized? But if we say it was from man and not from God, all these people that believed with faith would be angry with us. So they said, no, well, we refuse to believe that. Oh, we refuse to answer that. And then Jesus said, well, and I refuse to answer your question too. And we face with that all the time with us in our natural. Do I approach these things in faith? Or am I going to just, ah, I don't believe it. It's, I doubt these things. Unbelief, doubt. And it's, 
I walk with Christ all the time. We're faced with that because your heart, the natural bend of your heart is towards doubt and unbelief. It's the power of the Spirit. It's the grace of God. It's His kindness to us that opens your eyes to see things through the eyes of faith and then be born again through faith. And you're saved by grace. His kindness to you saves you through faith. You know, even when Jesus was doing uh, the miracles, he raised Lazarus from the dead. He'd um, healed the blind and, and the lepers, and he, and he made lame people walk. And they accused the Lord of doing this through the power of Satan, through the power of demons. So, you know, we can start out in faith and, and doing these things for the Lord, but we can slowly drift to the things of um, doubt and flesh and unbelief, and even accuse that the things that we see amongst us are not of the Lord, but even of the enemy. And I never want us as a people, as a church of God, as the people of God, as the family of God, as the body of Christ, as the building, the temple of God that houses His Spirit, we should never be a people that doubt the things of the Lord, even if we don't understand them. Don't ever let us be a people that doubt the things of the Lord. So when we stand up here and we're preaching and we're encouraging and we're trying to equip you and mature us and rebuke us and strengthen us and correct us, don't ever sit back and let the eyes of, of the deceiver of doubt and unbelief filter what you're hearing and what you're seeing. All right. Amen. That's the preach. So... You know, as I've walked with the Lord over the last 20 years, um, he, 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 I, I get more and more secure in Him, knowing that He is who He says He is and that He is faithful. And the eyes of, uh, the eyes of faith are strengthened through His grace. And, and I, 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 I doubt less and I believe more, and I trust more. And whenever He's opening a door for me, I, I, I step in in faith. I'm like, okay, God. And, try, and my faith is more in Him than my own ability, because I know I'm nothing. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. And I realize that, and I've learned that. As I walk faithfully with Him and steadily, I know that without Him, I'm nothing. And I look at, at His ways. There's nothing random about the Lord. There's nothing random about his ways. He doesn't just do things for the sake of doing things. There's always plan and there's always purpose and there's always intention to bring life into every situation. Even him coming, he came to earth to bring life. To those that would receive him, he gave us life. He came to bring light into darkness. There's always a plan and a purpose. There's never anything random. And we spoke about that earlier this morning. Um, Dan Matthews said, I had a random thing. And I'm like, Dan, there's nothing random about anything in the Lord. If you see th through the eyes of faith, I might use what we spoke about earlier. Um, and also, my faith has, is, over the 20 years, it's not just blind faith. It's been an experiential, an experiencing of what he says is truth in the Word. So walking it out and going, 
um, experiencing that nothing is random and all his plans and his ways have purpose and intention to bring life to me and life to the body of Christ. And I look, I likened it to um, even the, the universe, how it's created the, the sun, the distance of the sun away from the earth. It's intentional. If it was any closer, we'd fry. And if it was any further away, we'd freeze to death. The moon, if it was closer, the, the waves would overwhelm us. If it was further away, there'd be no tides. There'd be no light at night because of the moon. Our atmosphere, very intentional. If there was no atmosphere, we, we would all fry with UV, whatever it is. Everything a specific purpose. The, the, the speed at which we orbit the sun. If we spun any faster, we would all fly off. Imagine now. It just starts to speed up. We'll all be like, ah! The, and, then, and then I look at the human body. You know, all the systems we have, the nervous system. If I didn't have a nervous system, I wouldn't be able to feel pain. And I wouldn't know if anything was wrong in my body. The digestive system. I wouldn't be able to eat food and process food, and I would starve to death. My lungs, how it takes in oxygen and breathes out carbon dioxide. You look at the trees that take in carbon dioxide and breathe out oxygen. There's all specific purpose and intention with every single part of my body. My eye, the retina, the cornea, my eyelids, my tear ducts. Without all of that, the eye doesn't function. My blood, white corpuscles, red corpuscles, taking in oxygen to every part of the body. Everything has intention and purpose. The great architect, the Lord. And it is the same when we get born again. We're born again by the Spirit of the Lord into family with purpose and plan. The great architect is designed. You know, each part of my body plays a specific function. And if you read 1 Corinthians 12, it's exactly that. It says to us that each, as, our, as my finger plays its part and my big nose plays its part and my ears, all of that has specific purpose and function. And like it is when we get saved into the family of God, we all play a specific part and a specific function within the body of Christ. Do you believe that? It is the grace of God. Do you understand what grace is? It is His kindness to us. That we don't deserve any of this. It's a, it's a grace. It's a gift. And we're all being graced with gifts in the body. When I get born through the reproductive system, which continues humankind on the earth. If the reproductive system didn't work, none of us would be sitting here. But even in that, when I'm born, I can't exist in isolation. I have to be born into family. If a baby just pops out of the, the mom and is left alone, how long, how long would a baby last? How, would I have long, how long would I have lasted without my mom looking after me? We're born into family by specific purpose and by specific design by the great architect of life. And it is the same in the family of God. When you're born again into the family of God, you're not born to be in isolation. You're born to be part of a body that functions. And you're added to us, to each other, to add value. God gives us the grace to, to give each other purpose and and uh, encourage us in our gifting, and mature us in our faith, and to keep adding, to correct us when we go off course, to strengthen us when we're feeling weak. So the body Jesus has designed with specific purpose and intention. 
Amen. So imagine now, if we, we, we're born again, we're added into family, the church. Now imagine if the church just operated um, on its own. So we all arrive here. There's no structure. There's no architect. There's no design. There's no blueprint. Each one does according to as he sees fit. How would that meeting be? It would be like the universe without any control, you know. That's why I loathe the theory of evolution, that everything came from nothing, without cause and effect, from nothing, perfection. <laughs> and it would be the same, you know, we're not here together as a family by the cause of the Big Bang. There is specific purpose for each one of us and specific design, and we all have specific parts to play by the grace of God. Amen. Um, so Jesus has, Jesus has created his church, his body, his bride, uh, in a specific way. We can't just arrive here and do our own thing. There is order. Uh, Jesus has placed specific people in places, some of us to govern, some of us to rule, some of us to evangelize, some of us to look after each other, to pastor, some of us to bring words of encouragement, some of us to be generous, some of us to be hospitable, um, evangelists, some of us to teach, etc., etc. We're all added for specific purpose by design by the Creator. So if Jesus didn't ascend and He had saved us all into family and He was still alive on this planet today, how would He rule and reign over His church? How would He affect that we grow and that we're orderly and that there is life and we still remain connected to Him who is the head of the church? Can you picture that? I get a phone call now. Hey, Nick, it's line one for you. It's the king of the universe. Okay. Hi, Lord. Uh, Nick, <laughs> would you please go and plant a church in, I'll, I'll be, yes, Lord, whatever you say, Lord. And would you get Basil to preach in uh, Malmesbury? Yes, Lord, I'll send Basil. And then also, would you get uh, Kegwin to go and bake a cake for Auntie Margie? Yes, Lord, I'll get her to do that. And then, Nick, could you, so we know he's not here physically, but he's given us the Holy Spirit who does exactly that as if, Christ was here in the physical. We have the Spirit of the Lord inside of us, connected to the head, Jesus, who's head of the church, delegating roles and responsibilities throughout the body of Christ. So because we don't see Him, it doesn't mean that we doubt and we have unbelief when we're saying the things that we say about, okay, this is how we're going to build. This is the direction we're going to take. We have to trust that the Lord has delegated authority to specific people with specific grace gifts to do specific purposes. Does that make sense? So I want to touch a bit on this whole 412 apostolic. Does it come from pie in the sky? You know, it doesn't come from another planet that Andrew just decided like, okay, this, this feels like a great idea. When you open up Scripture and the Word, it's very, very specific. The blueprint, the great architect, how he has designed that church would grow and expand and be healthy is laid out in Scripture for us. 
And anything outside of this, we don't do as a church. Everything inside of this, we try and build according to the design and the plan and the purpose of Jesus for each one of us' benefit. Does that make sense? How many times have I said, does that make sense? That doesn't make sense. So I'm going to go through some of these scriptures. Romans 12, verse 3 to 8. So Jesus positions and he entrusts and he enables the gifts amongst us according to his grace. So it's his kindness to us that gives Declan a specific purpose, that gives Becky a specific purpose, that gives Joe purpose. It's his kindness to us. It's a grace gift, nothing that we deserve. When I woke up, I didn't decide one day I was going to become a pastor or an elder in a church. It was God's kindness to me, enabled me enabling me by His grace and through faith. He, he apportions grace, and I have to stir up faith within me to be faithful to what He's calling me to do. Each one of us, not in isolation. There's no one in this church that can be part of the body in isolation. We all work together. And Josh Jen's Sunningdale congregation does not work in isolation either. As a body, we're part of the greater body of Christ. What's his heart? His heart for us is unity. First here amongst each other, and unity amongst each congregation, and then unity amongst every congregation on the planet. That we would be of one mind, one purpose, one spirit, one faith, one God, one baptism, one spirit. Everything. As I'm born, I can't live in isolation. As you're reborn, you can't live in isolation. You have specific purpose and calling and function to fulfill in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. You have to believe it. You have to accept that and appropriate it through faith. And that's what I want to do this morning. I want to help you see what we're doing is not our own little great ideas. You don't want to be David's wife watching the show and going, Idiots. They could be watching Sieven de Laan. But they are in Morsen in Malmesbury, in the freezing cold. Praise the Lord. Romans 12, verse 3 to 8 says, For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought to, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith that God has distributed to each of you. There's grace that comes from Him, it's His kindness, and there's faith that is apportioned to you. You have to grab hold of that faith and appropriate it and make it real. You can't just believe. You have to do something. Faith without action is dead. Verse 6, we have different gifts. No, I skipped something here. Verse 4, for just as each of us has one body with many members... And these members do not all have the same function. So in Christ, we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. See, I didn't make up that story. I got it from the Word. Verse 6, we have different gifts according to grace given to each of us. It gets given to you. It's a gift. It's His kindness to us. We do not deserve it. It's grace. It's grace. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith, 
not your unbelief or your doubt, but in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then lead diligently. And if it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I'm glad I don't have the gift of mercy. No, I'm kidding. Ephesians 4 verse 7 says, To each one of us, what has been given? To each one of us, grace has been given, as who? Christ apportioned it. This, what I'm doing, was apportioned to me by Him. Did I deserve it? An unbelieving, adultering, lying, alcoholic, philandering, well, I don't even know what those words mean. Um, but grace comes because, he, because He's kind. It's just who He is. It's His kindness. He can't, he's kind. The Lord is kind. And He apportions grace to those that don't deserve it. Each one of us, grace has been given as Christ has apportioned. 1 Peter 4, verse 10 to 11, it says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of what? You should use the gift that God has given you to serve others as faithful stewards of the grace, of His kindness, of this gift that He's given you free of charge. Use it well. Use it. Don't sit in it. Don't squander it. Each one of us here have a gift. Each one of us have a gift in some measure, in some way. And stir faith up to use that gift more and more and more and grow in your gifts. The Word says eagerly desire the grace gifts. Verse 11, if anyone speaks, they should do so as one who speaks the very words of the Lord. Oh, Lord. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength that God provides. So that in all things, God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. 1 Corinthians verse 12. 1 Corinthians 12 verse 4 to 11. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit. Sorry, I need to find it in my Bible. What verse am I on? Seven. Now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one there is given through the Spirit the message of wisdom, to another, the message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. Um, to others, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still to another, interpretation of tongues. All of these are the work of one and the same Spirit. And He gives them to each one just as He determines. So these are called grace gifts. The, the word speaks about spiritual gifting, but when you look at the interpretation, the Greek word is actually, it's not a spiritual gift. It's a gift from the Spirit, and it's a gift of grace. So it's a grace gift. You, you know, grace gift. Grace is um, charity, and someone that is filled with the gift of grace, they, they're filled with charisma. 
and that same word charis, charity, charisma, when you're charitable. And that's what God is. He, he's charitable to us. It's a great representation as if you would give, um, in the old English definitions, it was the royalty, the queen, giving to a beggar on the side of the road. She just comes and she's like, here you are, poor person. That's, she's just being gracious to that. Uh, Dan would appreciate that. So when you see the spiritual, eagerly desire the spiritual gifts, eagerly desire a gift of grace, the kindness of God that is given to you. So when Jesus comes, He's building His church. He builds it through us by giving us and distributing gifts according to His grace. He delegates authority. So He's building through us. It's a delegated authority and it's a delegated responsibility. So we need to weigh these things up carefully because it's not just some random group of people doing their own funky thing. It's the Lord. It's the Lord. So 1 Corinthians 12, verse 27 to 8. 27. 1 Corinthians 12, 27 says, Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. Verse 28. And God has placed in the church, first of all, apostles. Second, prophets. Third, teachers. Then miracles, then gifts of healing of helping, of guidance, and of different kinds of tongues. The word here, you can leave that scripture up. So Jesus Christ is appointed first of all apostles. That first of all is by importance, is by responsibility, is by power and delegation. First of all apostles. What is an apostle? Why? Why first of all apostles? What is an apostle? Can I call myself Apostle Nick? I can't. I could. Yeah, I suppose you do get. The Greek word for first year clearly implies first in order of prominence, authority, responsibility, and order. So as we have all these gifts together in one body, there needs to be structure. And the office, the governance of apostle is to put all of this together in the name of the Lord Jesus and bring structure and health and growth to the church. It's the responsibility of the apostle. It's not the responsibility of the evangelist or the mercy-hearted. Or the, it's the apostle. If Jesus was here on the earth himself, he would be the chief apostle, bringing the foundation, the doctrine on which we build the church shaping, bringing direction, bringing correction, coming alongside the elders, assessing health in the church. Those are the roles of the apostles. First, the apostle. Why first? Because it's the foundation on which the church has to be built. Do you understand? I didn't understand it I still, until I had to prep for this preach. I mean, I understood that they're master builders, but I didn't understand the great architect who gives us the blueprint on how to build is relying on the apostles to make sure the whole body doesn't just do as it seems fit. It's the role of the apostle. It's the role of the apostle. Mission impossible. Mission impossible. The ministry of the apostle is the primary gift 
that the Lord has given to build His church on the earth. And, and is a grace gift. I can't decide what the Lord has apportioned me. If He sees one, one day, to, if He sees fit for one day to raise me up as, a, as a, an apostle, with that, an apostle, jeez, today. There's a new word, guys. We have pastors and apostles. If the Lord should see fit to raise Gavin one day as an apostle, it is not something on him, you know. It's something that the Lord gives and delegates according to his own plan and purpose for the church, for the good of the body, to bring health and life. Does that make sense? So some are called to be apostles. Can you imagine the weightiness? And I, I was making a joke, uh, Nick, Jesus is on line one. Those apostles are like, Lord, please just take this load from me. I, I have the responsibility of carrying the weight of making sure we're building this in line with the great architect's design and plan and purpose. It's not just something you can go, um, okay, Lord, I'm going to bake this cake. It's the same kind of importance, but it's a different weight and responsibility. Does that make sense? They're not greater than us. They have a different role and function, which we should honor and appreciate. It comes from the Lord Jesus. It comes through faith. You have to appropriate that and accept it through faith. Did he really say that he's going to give apostles to build the church? And what are you going to do with that if he did say that? The ministry of the apostles is the primary gift that the Lord has given to build his church on the earth. In line and in step with Jesus, the great architect, using his blueprint and his plan and his design. We don't just decide how this is going to look. Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22, it says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household, built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets, with Jesus Christ himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord, and in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by Spirit. So this is built on the foundation of the prophets. So there are apostles that have come before us, the first 12 that Jesus appointed. And then when Jesus left, you have the apostles like Paul, Barnabas, that continued the work of building the church through faith, rooted and established in Jesus. Hearing him, walking in step with him. I want to say one thing about apostles. They are not, Andrew was never self-appointed as an apostle. And he doesn't wield and rule and lord over us. And we don't walk around calling him Apostle Andrew. Because there is the one chief great apostle, which is Jesus. But Andrew has been given a delegated responsibility and authority to build God's church. And with that comes an anointing and a grace to do something that I can't do. I can't do it. You can't do it. He is the man God has appointed for this time. And he's not the only man. You have others on his team of apostles that he's in mutual submission to, under authority, um, walking alongside, having his life audited so that he, he looks after the bride of Christ, that he never abuses her, that he's never out of control, that he never makes up his own doctrine and theories 
and philosophies and theologies. He's held to account by us all. That is God's design for church. It's not the great apostle hoarding lots of money, stealing your money, climbing on a private jet and escaping the country. It's not that. It is a beautiful thing. It is a beautiful thing if you see it through faith and it's appropriated properly. So what do we want to do? We want to appropriate this thing through the, through the we want appropriate. We want to replicate. We, we want to take what we've seen by faith and expose the church across the globe to New Testament Christianity as we believe we see in Scripture. The apostles are grace, grace gifted to come alongside of us and help direct how we are building, to check our health, to check our foundations, to equip us. That's the apostolic that are leading the churches forward in health to realign us, to fix us, to mend us, to shape us, encourage us. That comes from the, the apostolic. Have you got a better understanding now of what the apostolic does? So when Brad comes from Oxygen Life, he has an apostolic anointing given to him by the Father, by Jesus. Um, and that is a grace gift to us. And that's why Andrew says you receive, these, receive the apostolic gifts that come into the church because they have a purpose in the Lord to achieve and accomplish something for our benefit. We don't just do this according to our own desire and how we see fit. There is plan and purpose according to the Lord Jesus Christ. Does it make sense? So we welcome the apostolic, and we welcome them as if it was the Lord himself. If the Lord was going to come to Malmesbury, who would not go to see Jesus Christ, the King of the universe, telling you, Okay, I've got this for you. I've got this gift for you. I've got this plan for your life. I want you to fix this. I want you to shape that. Stop doing this. Start doing that. Who wouldn't want that for your life? If you want life, and we all want life, I want life, and I want more life, and I want it to the full because I'm not here for a long time. I want to hear from the Lord, and He's delegated that. He's delegated that to the apostles and to the elders and to the pastors and to the teachers and to the prophets. See it through faith, guys. Ephesians 4.12. In the announcements, we said, 4.12, 4.12. Visitors are hearing numbers. What is 4.12? 4.12. I'm going to read you. It comes from Ephesians 4.12. So this apostolic ministry, which is a partnership of all churches around the globe, not all the churches, but a whole lot of churches around the globe, that are partnering with this apostolic team to get input into how to build their church and bring it to health. So the scripture that references this mission is Ephesians 4.12. And we're going to read from Ephesians 4, verse 11. So Christ himself gave what? Christ himself gave the apostles. Some to be apostles some to be prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Why? To equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son and become mature and attain to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. This is what the point is of an apostle. They want to come and equip you. Ephesians 4.12, equip the saints for the work of the ministry. The apostles are not going to be able to do the work of the ministry. We have to do it. 
We have to love each other, look after each other, evangelize, come alongside those that are broken and hurting. We need to be compassionate and gracious and, and work amongst each other, serving each other. The apostles are going to equip us to do that. Amen. Amen. Ephesians 4.12, the 4.12 apostolic training time is to equip you, all his people, for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. We're not having a camping party between the 5th and the 7th of October. It's an apostolic training time as if the Lord Jesus Christ himself is going to be there. These men that are going to preach and worship, and I would love to watch that clip again at the end. That, that is just a demonstration. It is not us going to listen to great preachers. They are fantastic. But the Lord works amongst us by His grace and His power of the Spirit. He's always working. So when you arrive there and you're listening, and actually the Lord is working in you. When you're worshiping, He's working in you. He's shaping you. When you're hosting someone, He's working in you. He's doing something. He's, he's bringing a unity. He's bringing a bond. He's bringing revelation and He's stirring your faith so that you would be able to grow and mature into everything, into the fullness of Christ. There's plan and purpose and intention for everything the Lord does. It's nothing random. And if you withhold yourself from that time, you, you run the risk of losing out. If, if you have a family of 12 kids and you, you're going to go take them on a time that's going to change their lives forever, how, a father, a good father doesn't want four of his kids to miss that time. But how do they come back into the family when they've just come back from this time? They're all different. They're all different. They're full of faith. And half of the kids have missed it. How do you deal with that? So as the fathers of the house, the apostolic in the house, Andrew's like, don't miss this time. Don't be stupid. Why would you do that to yourself? The Lord is bringing us together for a time that will, you'll never be the same. When I first got saved, um, we used to have these apostolic training times in Bloemfontein. It's not 40 k's down the road in Malmesbury. It's in the Freistaat. It's Bloemfontein, which is 1,000 kilometers away. And we packed little Alex and little James in their little carry cots, and we put them in the car, and we drove 1,000 kilometers there and 1,000 kilometers back to Bloemfontein. It was, it was you, you can't put the value on it. And even when you don't know what he's done in you, he knows what he's done in you. And you see the fruit of it later on. You're like, Lord, when did that shift in me? How come I can now do this? And, and why am I feeling like that? Because the Lord works as He wishes, as the Spirit moves. And, and, and we've been to conference after conference after conference faithfully. I don't know who in their right mind would want to miss these times. I, and we don't, I, I don't want to coerce you, but I want to tell you through faith. If you see it by faith, you would be chomping at the bit. Oh, God, give me the means, give me the grace, give me the power to make me get there and help me get there. Amen. How am I for time? 10.50. <clears throat> so I'll quickly touch a bit on the, on the apostolic. The apostolic are not just normal saints who are sent. 
or who can prophesy. They have a fivefold office, um, which is a position of authority and governmental to rule. So that's as per God's plan. It is the Holy Spirit who will reveal those whom Christ has called to be apostles. As I say, Andrew didn't self-appoint. There is a recognition amongst the leaders in the house who has an apostolic grace gift apportioned by the Lord to him. So we, there's a recognition and then there's a sending. So apost, ap, ap, apostles are sent. Apostles aren't went. They are sent. Um, after there is a recognition amongst the leadership in the house. So Ephesians, uh, Revelation, Paul, uh, Jesus says in the book of Revelation, he says to the church, um, you, you tested those that claimed to be apostles and you found them wanting. And it's the same of us. The leadership test who we're going to release onto the precious saints of, of Jesus. You're precious to him. God doesn't just release wild, furry animals and beasts among you. Um, it's very carefully, very carefully dealt with and released. And Andrew has been released by leaders to the apostolic gifting and grace that he has. Does that make sense? There it goes again. Um, and Jesus himself trains and equips them, enables them with the anointing to be recognized by men. It's the Holy Spirit that will create moments where such apostles will be recognized within the body of Christ. So we can trust. God, you know what you're doing. There's men around you that you can trust to make these good decisions in faith. There is a grace given that unlocks the fullness of God's destiny in every saint through the apostles. That's by His design. I think you've got a testimony about that. Eh? I'm going to let you share that now. In fact, come share that. So it's a grace. Come up. There is a grace given to the apostles that unlocks the fullness of God's destiny in every saint. So in, it says in Proverbs 22, verse 6, it says, Train your child in the way they should go, and then when they're older, they will not depart from it. But what happened to us was one of our children departed from the ways of the Lord, and it was devastating for us as a family. I mean, we were broken. Um, Cliff went to Will and asked Will, like, what do we do? Cliff was like, he was ready with his notebook and pad and everything. And like, what do we do? What do and Will said, he said, pray. And so that's what we did. For two years, we prayed consistently every single morning at five o'clock for our daughter. And 412 came around and there was like, we had a house full of people and we bought, we just were like, everybody's going. We don't. It's just, this is what we do as a family. And so everybody piled in the car, and off we went to 4.12. And the one evening, the one of the apostolic men were teaching, the one, and just as he was teaching, the presence of God just fell on that place. And I, I just got on my knees. I was just, I was just like on my knees for a long time, actually, and I'm, um, I looked up after a, long t after a while and I saw 
like these boots in front of me, and I, I didn't really recognize them, and I, I carried on looking up, and it was my daughter. <laughs> and that night, the Lord left the 99 to find the one. And you know, he rescued her out of darkness through apostolic teaching. And this year she went to Brazil with Mark. I mean, she's five years down the line. She is serving the Lord with everything inside of her. And that night, the Lord arrested her heart. So I don't just think it's for us as, as parents, but it, it, like, like Nick said, it changed our family because our family, we were wrestling. We had meetings around our table, our kitchen table, like, This is not how we behave as believers. This is not who we are as a family. We love the Lord. And now we sit around the table with such joy. And it's such like, Lord, we worship you and every single one of us follow you. So. Thank you. Joey. Yeah. Um, could you just bring up Romans 1.5? You can use the NIV. Um, I, I just, um, most of you guys have um, heard um, my barley testimony. Um, but I just, uh, I just sort of want to quickly just share, there was a, um, a, a WhatsApp just shared on the general leaders group um, this morning from Peter Nordia, who, who leads the uh, Rustenburg work. And he said, I never dreamed, but today, before I dreamed, I saw people streaming in and submitting unto the Lord. And then he used a scripture from uh, Matthew uh, 16 that says, And I say unto thee, he's talking about Peter, um, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And um, you can see there, uh, Paul says, Through him and for his name's sake we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And I know that we are all our own worst enemies. You know, Andrew says that, Nothing stands in front of the Lord's plans for you except yourself. You know, we're the ones that actually, um, uh, you know, prevent the Lord from doing what He needs to do. Not other people, not circumstances, it's ourselves. And that each one of us needs the, the uh, apostles to speak into our lives individually. And um, when I was in body, I mean, you guys can go online and see, it's a long testimony, but just in a nutshell... Um, I was serving on an eldership team. I was preaching once a month, and I had so many leaders saying how well I was doing. And um, and Andrew came and he reviewed my life, and this is the the edge that the apostle has. And he went, "You're wasting your life." And we're lucky because there's so many churches around the world that don't have access to the apostleship, or and and recognize the apostleship. It's it's a type of leadership that's sharper than normal leaders. It's, um, they, apostles can see shades of gray. And I want to encourage um, each one of us to, uh, to give your life individually over to the apostleship. I think that when, as we listen to uh, Nick preach, we can say, okay, that's fine. Uh, apostles build church. So they build structure. They keep the church in line. They keep the church healthy. But I just wanted to share from my exposure to Andrew, my exposure to Brad, it's actually kept a sharpness in my life. That um, when, and, and so when we left Bali, we left Bali because of a, a word from 
um, from an apostle. And I want to encourage you to expose yourself to apostles because they will bring a sharpness in your life. And the scripture there from Peter Nordea said, uh, um, you know, it's talking about Peter. It's talking about uh, God establishing the kingdom in, in him, on him, on his testimony. Uh, but, and it says the gates of hell um, will not prevail against it. I tell you what, the gates of hell will prevail in your life to some degree unless you expose yourself to the uh, apostleship. And if I wasn't exposed to Andrew's input into my life, I'd still be sitting in body waste in my life, even though it had the appearance of good. And apostles have the ability to do that. There's a, there's a grace upon them. It said, we receive grace and apostleship. So Paul received grace and apostleship to call to obedience. And the thing that's going to prevent um, the enemy from prevailing in your life is obedience. You need to be obedient to God. And apostleship has that grace to call, cause you to be obedient. When you're sitting in that conference, you're going to see grace operate that's going, to call you, call, that's going to pull you into obedience to do crazy things for the Lord. And you need that obedience in your life, and you need that grace unlocked by the, by the apostleship to call you to obedience. And that's why I'm standing here today in much more than I would ever have walked out in Bali. Yeah. Thanks, Joey. I'm going to close on this, um, Acts 2, verse 42. <clears throat> so the, the 412 apostolic training time is churches coming from all over the world, all over South Africa, to sit under the teaching of those that we recognize as grace-gifted apostles. The, um, us, as a body, are on display. For those that are looking in that want to see what this is all about, we are on display. They're looking to see how you're dedicating yourself, how you're devoting yourself. Um, Acts 2.42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayer. It, you have to devote yourself. I can't, I mean, I'm trying to impart as much faith as I can for you to, to, to walk and, and run with us, together with us. But you have to devote yourself. And, and, and devoting is this persistent, persevering, despite all challenges, despite all resistance, that you would devote yourself to the apostles' teaching. You know, don't let a flat tire stop you. Devotion is overcoming any resistance um, that you don't have leave. I know there's a thousand reasons why we shouldn't be able to go, but find all the reasons why you should go. If finances are an option, um, Come and talk to us so we can know who you are and see whether we can, what we can do to arrange, if it's finances, transport. But make every effort to devote yourself and overcome any obstacle that you might find before you. All right, let's stand. <clears throat>